This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com and the Radio.com app. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Everything gonna be all right? <laughs> Place him up for some bees talk right now. It's the Skate Pod. Some escape. I'll give it a B. B plus. On WEEI. Oh, this is a big time show. It is a big time show. Here we go. Another edition of the Skate Pod. Ken Laird and Matt Kalman. Kalman is uh, fresh off his coverage of two Leafs games. Although you did not go to Toronto. <laughs> I did not you go to Toronto. Chicken but, uh, you know, one, one game is enough. One is enough. Uh, that was Tuesday night. Bruins won that one. They took three of four points in that sequence, and uh, even they got a point against Tampa. We'll talk about all those here in just a moment. A reminder, you can subscribe to the Skate Pod at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio.com. Radio.com is an awesome rewind feature. Check that out. And we've got a couple new uh, reviews on the our iTunes. We appreciate those that have yeah. uh, flown in the last week. So, And that rewind feature would be great to uh, go back and listen to the Greg Hill Show from uh, Thank you. Wednesday morning with Tori Krug. Well, Ken is positively giddy about our next guest. It's almost like this is the skate pod that's going on in front of our eyes yeah, this well, you morning, don't get Ken. hockey talk on the show every day. Tori Krug, what do you think of Tori perfect, Krug? Perfect guest for you guys. You should have him every week, every other week or something. He's the one that will give you an honest answer and well-spoken. Easy to transcribe, as I found out this morning. He and, had the uh, uh, buzzword uh, clip that uh, they weren't playing with the great IQ, right? It was the what uh, the yeah. phrase he used after the Tampa right. game and Thursday? Right, of course, that was a uh, an answer, of course, to a question I asked because I get the best answers. How did we go with one second left? If that's you guys think. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it's a big difference, right? You know, we can come in in between periods and say, look, uh, we played pretty poorly, but you know, we're up one goal in our building, and um, obviously focusing on the second period uh, with our latest second periods they've been pretty ugly but um, it changes the dynamic of the game and the complexion of it and um, now all of a sudden we're going in, in between periods it's 1-1 they feel excited about uh, what they've been doing they finally break through and um, that's a that's a goal that we cannot let happen it's like right now our team IQ is a, a little bit low and uh, we got to find a way to be a little smarter good for you and uh, yeah he's he's got the he's a team spokesperson you know maybe maybe he won't ever wear a C because obviously it'll go char to Bergeron and then who knows what will emerge, but clearly, you know, they always say you don't need a letter when to be a leader, and he's he's been one almost since day one here. He's hilarious. Well, he needs to do a contract first, which was the yeah. big takeaway question, and you posted it up at WEI.com. Uh, here, let's listen, listen in. I'll play for, for those of you who missed it. Here was uh, Greg Hill asking Tory Krug about the status of his negotiations. This is the final year of, of your contract, and I know you've said that, that you'll take a hometown discount to stay here. Um I don't want you to, in case Donnie's listening, I don't want you to reveal too much about what you would or wouldn't take, but what, um, what, what kind of where are your negotiations at with the Bruins at this point, Tory Krug? Yeah, it's a uh, work in progress. I mean, um, obviously nothing's done right now, so um, we'd like to get to that point, but uh, we'll see. Um, I don't really want to talk too much about it, just out of, you know, respect for everything, uh, for Donnie, for my teammates as well, just being in the thick of the season. But um, we'll see. Hopefully it works out that way. Well, your D partner got uh, the new deal before the year, Carlo. Is he picking up the bill for everything, or what's going on there? <laughs> he, he should be. I, I need to start going out to dinner with him a little more. <laughs> what is it, when it comes to deciding, to making a decision like that, just to kind of get inside where your thinking is at, what is it about Boston or what is it about the Bruins 
that makes you say I would be I'd be willing to theoretically take a hometown discount? Well, the idea behind it is, um, you know, realistically, just you know, living a happy life, and um, this is a great city where, you know, I've mentioned before, championships are expected on a yearly basis, and uh, we expect that of ourselves, and ultimately, winning, you know, um, makes a lot of people happy. So, uh, when we have the group that we have, and you understand how things work here, the, the camaraderie, the uh, brotherhood, if you will. Um, you know, these are some of our closest friends that we've grown up together, and uh, you want to be part of it for a very long time. And then you couple that with, uh, you know, how happy your family is. Uh, you want your your kid to grow up in um, this wonderful city as well. Um, you just pair all those things together, and and that's where the thought process comes from. So, do you read anything into that? I read into it that he's going to be here, but it's going to it might not be even until next summer because let's face it, they got to get their house in order. Next it's tough. summer. If he gets the next summer, he's gone. I don't think so. You start sniffing free agency, really? He's that committed to Boston? He is. He is a Boston guy now. I mean, let's face it. I mean, except for the fact that he still says his R's. He's, God, he's his here. agent must be just throwing shit. Man, they still get Tory. you know they get twenty percent of whatever. He's still going to get seven million dollars or some crazy number like that. And that's what he was basically saying, right? When when Greg followed up with him and said. You know why would you want to stay there? He's like, you know, you want to be happy, and he's happy good, here, uh, no, right? Good, good he loves it there, here, but don't and, say that out loud. Wait till the contract's done. Yeah, it's it's like so ridiculous because we all know it's going to get done. I mean, where's he going to go? He's going to go to Detroit, and you're going to ask him to be a savior no, 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 no. in his well, hometown. What what good team has the cap space to satisfy him and and make his life? as happy as he wants it to be. Well, what do you think the Bruins are going to offer him now? I mean, if they're going to totally exploit him, there's, <laughs> a, there's a breaking gonna, point well, for Well, that's just it. They don't exploit him. I and mean, maybe it won't, you know, maybe they just go the eight years and give him six, you know. If you have eight more years, what's the difference? He knows those last two years he's going to basically get, get paid for nothing because he's not going to have much left at that point. Right, but, but if they're offering him five by fours. No, nah, that's he's not going to happen. Like, and you know that's not going to happen. They're going to offer him something fair. I mean, that's what they've done with, with these guys. You know, David Postonok took a hometown discount. He's still making $6.6 million. He's not on the bread lines. And, of course, he's the one who says he doesn't play hockey for money. So, Well, he also threw in there, you know, you heard him say he didn't want to be like a distraction to the team. Yeah. Um, so that gets into your leadership. Well, because, you know, Don, Don Sweeney's obviously very close, lip, tight-lipped about this. He, plays, he doesn't ever, ever comment on uh, negotiations other than to say, I'm talking to them. Yeah. So I'm sure Donnie said to him, hey, you know, let's keep this <laughs> – Let's keep this out of the press and worry about hockey. And you know, every other, all the other players have done it. It's expected. I don't think you know Char or Bergeron, Marshan would look kindly on it if, he, if every time somebody asked him about it, oh yeah, you know, I want he's going to start negotiating with numbers and stuff. It's like, it's going to be the same answer every time. Well, he is a part a key part of a cog, which you know that power play has been awesome. Almost fifty percent of their goals have been on the power play start right. of the year. It's been incredible. A lot of that is Pasternak. Is yeah, as Krug even that admitted. was the conversation the other day. Uh, they were asking, they asked Bruce Cassidy about whether they'd ever have the rule from the fifties when uh, if you if you got a call for a penalty, the power play just lasted two minutes, no matter how many goals you scored. And Bruce Cassidy decided to make it a history lesson and teach us about the Canadians, and that's why they changed the rule, blah blah blah. But then he said, yeah, if they wanted to keep that rule now, uh, the Bruins would definitely vote yes. And I said, well, yeah, if, if you resign Tory Krug, and he said to kick it upstairs. So you know, this is the message to Don Sweeney. Bruce Cassidy wants Dory Krug, and he wants to change the power play rule. The uh, comment about the IQ. Now, that was in reference to the late .8 seconds to go goal against where Krug was not on the ice, right? He was talking about everything from that game, from games prior. I mean, 
we know what happened was happening in the second periods of games until recently, and uh, yeah, those goals were totally you know examples of them not thinking uh, straight and kind of taking things for granted and stuff. But that's a little bit of a shot at either McAvoy or like <laughs> generically a shot at that pairing, right? I mean, that's that's a little bold for. Well, three. I think there was five guys breaking down in that point goal. If you look at that play, I mean, Point had the puck there behind were? his own net and he comes down and scores. So where's the, where's split, where's the four check? And McAvoy, but like, where's the four check? How do they even get out of that zone so quick? Point has the puck behind his own net, gives it to Hedman. Hedman moves it up, no you know, no interference to get it up to Gord. Gord makes the quick pass. Where is everybody else? All right, but, you know, McAvoy just plays deep safety. Yeah, I mean, they totally blew that one, but I think he's taking a shot at the whole team. And like you said, the Shattenkirk goal, too. He was able to find, uh, you know, a soft spot in the coverage. And then uh, even after making that comment, we saw some of that on Saturday in Toronto. You saw the breakdowns. It's uh, They just have to play smarter. But the craziest thing is that they, they, they've made some dumb plays. They've had some terrible second periods. They don't have a second or third line. Uh, Krejci's out. Coleman's out. And they're six one and two. <laughs> right. Well, I've been the biggest skeptic about uh, Brett Ritchie, but he made me look dumb last night. Uh, well, you know, Tuesday night as we taped this on Wednesday. I, I didn't want to talk too much about him because I don't want to seem like I'm, you know, lauding him just because he scored a goal. But if he hadn't scored that goal, he still had a pretty good game. He had a good yeah, chance. Coy- had a, Coyle had a, set him up, but he couldn't get a shot off. Well, he had a good sh- he had a good scoring chance earlier in the third. I don't know if that's the one you're talking about. No, in the, there was in the one. second. Coyle had a great pickpocket. Last, last night he had some good physical play, which I'm, I don't understand where if you're Brett Ritchie or anybody built like Brett Ritchie who's brought here as a free agent, how do you not find an opportunity in one of these home games if he would rock somebody into the glass, he would have he would Become buy he would favorite. buy himself, you know, fan ridicule for like three weeks at least. <laughs> that people would be like, Oh look, at least he hit people but they he doesn't do that but he does have Zach some, Ronaldo tried it he, he's not uh, you know Chris Wagner's hammering people constantly and you know maybe Richie needs to find some of that but he 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 played pretty well positionally you know it wouldn't hurt not to make excuses it wouldn't hurt to keep him on the same damn line for like two games in a row yeah <laughs> instead of Bruce Cassidy mad scientist every week uh you know him and Coyle could could be a little bit of a chemistry of chemistry there because of their their size and strength and their ability to to protect the puck they could at least you know wear some teams down well, of course, our guy Carson Coolman is out for a month now. Yep. So that threw uh, things into a bit of a of a tizzy. Did, did you uh, first of all? Did you see that coming with Coolman? Uh, that I didn't. Uh... Yeah, you never know when a guy hit, gets hit with a sh- with a shot. I mean, he came back in the game, but yeah. I'm, I'm guessing they didn't take his you know the proverbial "don't take the boot off" type thing. And um, yeah, once they go to once you go for X rays and the guy's not on the ice for two days after taking a bug off the foot, you know. In fact, I, I did say yesterday uh, that oh, it's probably going to be about four weeks, and they'll tell us about eight o'clock tonight. Well, it was four weeks, and they told us at 9.40 last <laughs> night. So I was off a little bit, but I kind of have a feel for what these things now. So Richie's on the line with Coyle and DeBrusque. Is that going to stay? I mean, friend, and first of all, Krejci. We still don't know about Krejci. Yeah, I, I would keep, if Krejci's not in there, I would keep that together a couple games and see how it goes and see if they can protect the puck. And like I said, they don't have to have defensive responsibility as far as facing other top sixes with the way this team is built. So... Stick with it and see if you can get some offense out of them. Give them some favorable face-offs. You know, Bergeron doesn't have to take every offensive zone face-off. You can get them out there and see if you get some chances. Anders Bjork made his debut, was sent down, and might be an official. Yeah, by the time you listen to this, he might be called up. Who knows? Although I guess Thursday is a day off also. Yeah. The earliest he'd be called back would be Friday probably if if they're going to do that. I mean, they probably just want to see if Nordstrom's if Nordstrom's ready, they might not call him back because mm. do you really want him playing on that line? 
Yeah, the Corrali Wagner line. It's not it's really the best place. And then, okay, yeah, you're the other hit. line's odd too. It's Heinen, Lindholm, and Backus, which is they have like double yeah, fourth lines. That's a strange line. Because, I don't know how they're winning. They'd well, Backus hardly plays too, right? Seven he minutes. He hardly plays. So. Corrali's played like poo these last <laughs> couple of games by by his standards. Yeah, uh, but they're getting the job done. I mean, it's it's the goaltending and the, and, the, and the defense at this point, right? It's the structure. It's the the power play. <laughs> I mean, right, geez, right, right. Teams take penalties. It's almost an automatic. They're fifty percent at home. And Postonok, of course, who's right. on uh, you know, 17 points through nine games, most by a Bruin since Adam Oates, 1994, 10 goals. Uh, yeah, he's um, putting pucks between the legs and, and, and burying them. What, uh, you wrote about that right after the game. I don't know. I, I was thinking about actually passing with the back end and, and then just kind of slide it, you know, between my legs and try a couple of times in practice. It uh, didn't work, but <laughs> worked today, so uh, it was lucky, kind of lucky go. The funny thing was, I watched Hockey Night in Canada, and they did a feature on him and, and Nylander before, on the pregame. They're good friends. They were walking around Sweden, and uh, they were talking about with their time together in Sweden when they played on the same team. And Pasternak said, yeah, I never I never really thought I'd make the NHL. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? Well, I mean. I mean, obviously, you know, what, 16, 18, whatever teams didn't think so either. They passed over him in the first round. But, I mean, there's nothing – there's just so much you can say about this guy. Just like there's so much you can say about the Bruins' lack of secondary scoring. It's uh, he's just through the roof right now, and, he is. and another one he's in the Hart Trophy that conversation. Up. Yes, he is. Fifty goal pace right now. Uh, the way and doing going. it, you know, they, they his teammates keep saying it, and you watch the game, you see he's doing it at both ends. And uh, well, just the, I mean that line is just the force. And even and even you watch the um, Marshan goal on Tuesday. It was in the offensive zone, but it was kind of a defensive play where Pasternak, you know, gets that puck down low and protects it and keeps possession and then carries it out to the wall. Matthews is that's, hounding him. That's a responsible play to make right. sure you're not turning True. it over there. So That was a great pass. And Marshawn buries it for his fifth of the year, the roof shot Rister. Well, I want to talk. You have uh, lined up our special guest this week. It is Lance Hornby, the Toronto Sun. The Leafs fans, I think, are already a little nervous at their start. They had a three-game skid. They started to play a little bit better. But then, you know, you react to, I'm sure if you're a Toronto fan, you're thinking, all right, I mean, it's early, but you lose a game like that, 4-2. Granted, they're on back-to-back nights, and it's 3-4. and four. Yeah, and they but lose at home to Columbus, and then over that's probably yeah. the one that really has them soured. Maybe. Right? But they're, you know, and, and Tavares is out, and Hyman and Dermott, they got a lot of injuries. But you just, these two games, in, in a nutshell, Boston outplayed them, right? Pretty, I mean. Yeah, it's a, but you still, they were close, right? One, close. O- one overtime and one a 4-2, which is, what does that set us up for? A seven-game series in April. Woohoo! <laughs> which game? Game seven at the Garden, which is not game seven at the Garden. Freddie Anderson flops on his face, and Bruins win. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they got to hope it's not Michael Hutchinson. Uh, oh God! Who, who was no, there. he was actually pretty good last night. You didn't you think like he was? I thought he was all right. Uh, I guess that the two and the third are the ones you would question. Uh, you know, it was, it, the he Richie made, goal. He made, he made some big saves. It could have been worse, I think. So. All right, let's talk to Lance. Lance Hornby joins us. He has uh, written a book, If These Walls Could Talk, Toronto Maple Leaf Stories from the Toronto Maple Leafs Ice Locker Room and Press Box. Kind of like the book you wrote with uh, Dave Yeah, it's Morrow. kind of a great title there. I, mean, I think tr- published by Triumph Books. I've had a couple good relationship with them. Let's still get the checks every once in a while. So well, Lance joins us now to talk about the Leafs. <laughs> How long have you been covering uh, the Leafs, Lance? Uh, sadly for the reader, since about 1986, uh, oh, I came on, uh, let's see, uh, around, uh, around uh, the time my, my predecessor, uh, Scott Morrison, now in the uh, writer's wing of the Hall of Fame, uh, was on the beat ahead of me. I covered junior hockey, and then uh, 86, I jumped on, uh, and just around the uh, 
just around the uh, the best of the Harold Ballard years and uh, a lot of other uh, fun stuff that happened. I, I've been around for a couple of transformations, let's say, certainly with the, um, the the Cliff Fletcher years and the excitement involved around that and Pat Quinn. And, and now, uh, obviously, a kind of a, a third wave of revival under uh, under uh, uh, Coach Babcock and uh, Kyle Dubas and uh, Lou Lamorello, of course, who's moved on. But uh it's been it's been quite interesting. I've been very lucky to cover a team that uh, win, lose, or draw certainly has a uh, has has a strong following, not just in Toronto but right across the country. So we'll get back to the book in, in a few minutes, but I just want to jump right in here with this Austin Matthews. These comments, maybe kind of calling his teammates. I mean, what do you make of these comments? Is he trying to like flex his muscle a little bit while the captain is out of the lineup, and and is this just his frustration blowing over early in the year? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, let's face it, uh, you know, Matthews is a player that a lot uh, is expected of, and, and a lot really of all these uh, young guns on the Maple Leafs. And they've, uh, you know, don't like to make excuses. They've played uh, three uh, back-to-backs and a fourth coming up later in the week, but a lot of NHL teams have that uh, issue. And, and I think to only get one point out of four in a series against Boston is, uh, you know, uh, not uh, indicative of what this team uh, thought it would uh, be able to accomplish. I think they're, you know, losing too many points against clubs they should beat, giving up third period leads. And uh, I guess uh, part of it also is, uh, you know, uh, the Leafs are used to scoring their way out of trouble when they have goaltending issues. So far, Michael Hutchinson hasn't been the answer behind Frederick Anderson. Uh, Frederick doing... Uh, uh, you know, Yeoman uh, work back there and doing a uh, the best uh, he can do and off to a, a fairly decent start and playing well the last couple of games. But uh, Hutchinson was brought in to give them some stability uh, in goal to uh, in the backup role at least and to hopefully get Anderson starts down below 60. And uh, so far in three starts, uh, doesn't have a win. So there's concern there. And if the Leafs can't score their way out of trouble and uh, continue to have you know, issues on defense, uh, you know, with clubs walking through and having, uh, you know, having their way in front of the net. You saw a little bit of that uh, with Boston last evening. Then, you know, there's trouble there. So certainly uh, a degree of the team has to be called out. Uh, it should be mentioned, though, they are missing uh, Travis Dermott, uh, one of their one of their better defensemen, sure. and, uh, and Zach Hyman, their first-line winger. And that uh, certainly hurts them as well. Both of those guys haven't been in the, in the lineup yet due to off-season surgery, uh, but they should be uh, coming back around Halloween. So with with this goaltending situation, if if Hutchison doesn't work out, are there alternatives? Are there ways they can get Anderson down, or they're just going to have to ride him again the way they have the past two years? I think it's a great point. I think they're going to have to ride Anderson hmm. uh, a bit more, maybe play him in a back-to-back. Although those are going to tail off a little bit, uh, I believe, into November. Hmm. Um, there's uh, you know there's they don't really have anyone uh, on the farm. The, the goaltender they're using the most at this stage is uh, is Casimir Kaskasuo, who's uh, who's a very good AHL goaltender, has yet to come up yet. Uh, Joseph Wall, the young kid from uh, Boston College, hmm. uh, is probably the, one of their – he's pegged as their goalie of the future, but uh, is just really starting uh, down in the minors. Has only had uh, two games, I believe. He's won them both, but uh, the Marlies, as most people know, are like the 32nd NHL team. They're uh, yeah. they're completely stacked with uh, guys that the Leafs uh, signed for uh, you know NHL minimum dollars and, and pushed into the lineup. So it's no real surprise that the Marlies are six zero and zero. But uh, I don't think Wall is uh, is quite ready yet. So there's a there's a bit of an issue there. So maybe yeah, you turn around and ride the other guy. Uh, and just briefly to go back, if, if people don't know that Toronto had Curtis McElhenney, yep. who was a perfect uh, tandem. Uh, goaltender with uh, Anderson uh, decided to risk him in waivers and uh, they lost him and Garrett Sparks uh, 
Now, with the Vegas organization, uh, did not turn out to be uh, the goalie they wanted, even though he was AHL goalie of the year two seasons ago, uh, has uh, yet to make the uh, full jump to NHL uh, success. So uh, now they're, uh, you know, now they've sort of painted themselves in a corner. Again, you know, I hate, hate to write off Hutchinson so early, but sure. uh, they're not, uh, they're hoping to get one or two wins from him by now. Well, Lance, in terms of this year's matchup, Boston and Toronto, how do you think the organization there and Leafs fans feel about the rosters? Who's got the better roster? Who's who's the favorite here to win uh, between those two coming well, out? Well, I, I think the yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, I think I looked at the standings today, and maybe you guys can back me up on that. I think they're set to play each other again. Of course, <laughs> at the playoffs started uh, today, if I'm not mistaken, it looks uh, pretty close. So instead of Tampa Bay being on top of the division, it's Buffalo right, right. now. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's uh, you know. But, uh, I, I would say Toronto made the most changes. I mean, they put six or seven new guys uh, in there. Uh, I, I think on paper, the Leafs have, have made the changes they need to. But uh, you know what? Let's face it. Boston's uh, still solid. Boston's in their head. Boston has added some, uh, you know, you, you look at some of the guys who come on their team the last uh, couple of years and uh, the way McAvoy's uh, developed and Tuka Rask, uh, obviously a, a former Toronto goalie, if you want to go way back to ancient history, has been uh, quite a, uh, you know, a, Quite, quite the difference in the uh, in, in the series going back with Toronto over the years. So you know what, uh, I would say never count out Boston, even though I think Toronto has the better roster uh, on paper. So you, you mentioned that maybe Boston is in their heads, and I, I tend to kind of maybe downplay some of the, psycho- the psychological aspects of these things. But do you think there is a, a psychological edge now for the Bruins? Are, are the Leafs just never going to you know take that step until they get through Boston? And maybe it's better if they have to play Boston again because they can you know, maybe conquer that at some point here. Yeah, yeah, well, they're overdue. Certainly, I, I go back and, you know, Toronto didn't have uh, – the best chance for Toronto to, uh, you know, develop into a cup contender before this was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in the in the Pat Quinn years, uh-huh. and New Jersey was there at that time. There was Martin – and it wasn't really Martin Brodeur. It was guys like Bobby Halik who were able to shut down Matt Sundin. It was, you know, the the, the Niedermeyers, the Danicos, mm-hmm. and the, uh, you know, the crash line that Jersey had. And that really affected uh, – really affected Toronto. Um, you know what? Uh, sooner or later, you have to face down your demons, and I'm sure Toronto uh, would like another crack at Boston at the playoffs. But uh, who knows? I mean, there's, uh, you know, if Toronto had got by one of those uh, years, and even going back to, to 2013, remember, they were in, in command right. of that 2013 series, could have won. And maybe today you're looking at a very different Leaf team with, right. um, you know, with Phil Kessel, Van Riemsdyk, uh you know, James Reimer, all those guys who played uh, quite well in that series, maybe they're still there. Maybe there's no Babcock or Shanahan, and uh, maybe there's, uh, you know, maybe there's uh, Brian Burke and uh, Dave Nona still running the team. So it'll be interesting if it gets uh, down to that. But I, I, just to get back to your original point, I think as long as you've got a guy like uh, Marshand and Shara, uh, you know, uh, and they, it's not just Toronto. I mean, those guys are uh, are quite effective against anybody in the league, and I've certainly, uh, I, I, I certainly think that, Many teams have to overcome Boston, especially with their, you know, with their playoff history. It's, uh, you know, Boston may, uh, you know, bend but not break during regular season. They are very much to be respected in playoffs. What's your opinion of Mike Babcock now compared to what you expected when he took over the organization there? Uh, well, you know what? Uh, he was uh, he was uh, treated like a god when he came when he came to town. There were news uh, news helicopters following him in uh, from the airport, and 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 really, this was, uh, you know, the the. The Leafs went out and got the best coach available. Signed him to a fifty million dollar deal. This was the, you know, this was going to be uh, the big thing in, in town. And, and you can't argue at, uh, 
you know, what happened. The first couple of years, you expected a bit of a slow start. Uh, the year they played Washington in the playoffs probably moved the program ahead, and, and maybe that's why you're asking me this question now is because it got advanced uh, a little quicker than expected. They became better. They, uh, you know, were able to uh, luck into uh, Austin Matthews uh, in the draft and uh, and build on that and, and add him to the, uh, the young rosters, uh, the young players on the roster uh, with uh, Nylander and Marner and, and the youngsters such as that and, and Morgan Riley who'd come early. So uh, there was ex- expectation that he could take this roster and, and build it a lot faster. But Mike is also very set in his ways. Uh, you know, the latest uh, mini controversy sort of being, should he play Matthews and Marner more often instead of uh, just on the power play? So uh, if, if there's uh, impatience and anger towards Babcock, it's that he's, you know, he's uh, he's doing some of the things he did that drove the Detroit Red Wings nuts when he was there. And uh, even though he won a cup mm-hmm. there and, and people were uh, quite happy with the uh, end results most of the times, he's a very hard coach to play for. So I think that's put into focus. And uh, given the fact that uh, they haven't got past Boston the past two springs, suddenly the, uh, you know, suddenly the criticism is there. But uh, personally, I don't think you uh, take a guy with 200-point seasons and get rid of him. The Leafs have to need a coach who can you know, stay on top of them all the time to get them to the playoffs. And I, I think you judge Mike Babcock on what happens this spring or at least late in the season if they're able to nail down a berth and do a little bit better than the playoffs. You know, if the results aren't there, then, yeah, maybe you look, uh, look elsewhere. The Leafs certainly have enough uh, financial resources to cash them out and maybe uh, look somewhere else, which would be a guy like Sheldon Keith. They're a very excellent coach on the farm team. So wh- where do you stand on this matthews Mara thing? Do you think that they should uh, give them a longer run, or are you okay with them being separate? It seems to me like Tavares could probably play with anybody once he's back. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The other thing, too, is uh, don't underestimate that they're missing uh, Zach Hyman. When Hyman's on mm-hmm. that line with uh, Tavares and Marner, that's a very, very good line. And he's, uh, he's uh, you know, he, he, he wouldn't notice uh, a, a lot of it, uh, I, I guess, of the little things that uh, Hyman does, but he's a real dog on the puck. He gets mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, he fetches a lot for uh, for Tavares who in turn sets up Marner, and Tavares very good. Uh, close to net, of course, Marner's uh, makes something out of nothing uh, everywhere he goes in the offensive zone, but it all starts with somebody getting the puck to them, and that's uh, that's that, that's Hyman. So, they, you know, with, with that uh, taken into uh, into account, then you look at uh, Andreas Johnson, uh, who's uh, also in that mold, playing with, uh, with Matthews uh, on, on that side, and with William Nylander on the other, I guess he's the wild card. Uh, sure. That would be the guy I think who's not really produced enough to uh, satisfy people in Toronto. But uh, you know, uh, that said, I mean, you put out uh, of those six, you put out the best five on the power play, and it's a pretty uh, good-looking one. Again, on paper, it really hasn't uh, hasn't got anywhere this year. They changed things around. Uh, Marner and uh, Marner and Matthews kind of changing wings, and that had some early success. So we'll have to see if the rest of the NHL adapts. So you brought up Nylander maybe not producing as much as people expected. I mean, where do you see him standing, and is, is there more to give? Is why has he hit, why has he been held back? You think? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I, I see him very much as a perimeter player, and that, that's not to uh, say he doesn't do a lot. But he's not he's not one to go to the net, and uh, when his if he's not hitting the net. Uh, and and doing a lot with that perimeter play, then uh, I, I think his value uh, is lessened. Uh, I think it's a real uh, question mark. Uh, I think it was 42 million uh, he got, and the, the whole city was, uh, you know, much like they were enthralled with uh, the developments with Marner. I think it was the same with Nylander, and uh, he played uh, obviously uh, that long two month layoff last year affected him 
last season didn't produce right now he's okay i think he's uh, had a goal in the last couple of games uh of course made a nice uh, setup last night uh, to uh kasperi kapanen mm-hmm. who's uh, i guess another wild card a guy that a lot of people think should be moving up uh, in a lineup for toronto so uh you know he's the, the other thing too is that uh uh, as much as Matthews and Marner are out in the town, so to speak, and uh, very high publicity, and uh, Matthews on the uh, on the video games, and and Marner uh, with his uh, various charitable causes, uh, Nylander's a very quiet guy, conservative hmm. guy, and that's not uh, in Toronto. If uh, you know, if you're making a lot of money and you're not really doing a lot on the ice. Then there's uh, you know there's some some pressure on you and I think he's feeling that a bit but uh, really he is uh, far ahead uh, farther ahead than he was uh, last year when he came in late and was really struggling most of the season uh, you can see body language wise he he seems more confident now we'll have to see if uh, you know if uh, eventually over the course of an 82 game season that produces a lot more for Toronto. So I got your book a couple of days ago. Uh, if these walls could talk uh, about the Toronto Maple Leafs, like we said, it's the uh... Toronto equivalent of the book Dale and I worked on here in Boston, and I think that the one thing I wonder about, you say you've been on this, you know, beat more than thirty years, and you know I've been on the Bruins beat for fifteen years. I've only been through four non-playoff seasons, and I've only been to like I've only been to like two seasons where they weren't in it to the last day of the season. So how how do you get through all these thirty years where a team can fail for so much, and it's just I can't even imagine what it's like. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because just about everybody else, like yourselves, who's, who's worked on the Wall series, could attest that they, you know, half your book, I will guess, and uh, that goes for anyone who did whatever the Red Sox or the Dallas yeah. Cowboys or the Packers or right. uh, or uh, or whomever the Bulls, they have championship stories to write <laughs> <Right>. about. <laughs> Me, I had to improvise because the Maple Leafs haven't won the Cup since 1967. But right. you know what? The Leafs, uh, you know, I, I I know Boston has a huge history there, but. Uh, you know, the Maple Leaf history and the history of the city of Toronto are inter- intertwined. You go back, you know, this team went back to 1917 and it goes back to the uh, the Irish immigrants uh, in Toronto having, uh, you know, a, a huge uh, following and being being very uh, 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 instrumental in the uh, setup of uh, athletics here. And so it's a uh, it's a story of a city and its team, really. It's not just uh, you know, there's great stories involving this team that don't always involve the Cups. And but certainly when you get there, you know, like the 1940s, uh, the the Leafs were, uh, you know, equivalent sure. to the New York to the I'm sorry to New England Patriots, right? Uh, in that respect, uh, five or six Cups in the 40s, um, right up to 51. The four Cups in the 60s. There's still a generation, my generation, to a, a certain degree that remembers when they were <laughs> when they were great and remembers when they were, uh, you know, they had. They were they, they were all this team of uh, brush cut players uh, from Northern Ontario who really uh, you know uh, exemplified the Canadian dream so to speak. They 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 grew up listening to Foster Hewitt on radio and they came down to Toronto and they played uh, they played their hearts out. They won cups. They were idolized in the city. So certainly there's a, a lot of that uh, in uh, in town. But uh, the book itself is a you know is based on stories going right back to to 1917 to the uh, Toronto Blue Shirts. We were actually the first. Uh, year team they transformed to the toronto arenas the next year became the saint patrick's uh, with the irish connection i mentioned and uh, the 30s the 40s just the way the uh, you know the, uh, the the city and the team uh, evolved they had some of the uh, the greatest characters uh, from uh, from uh, right across north america really american players uh, also uh, involved and i uh, remember you know, right up until uh, the early 70s, Canada only had two teams, and right. one really was west of uh, 
was west of the Quebec border. So there is a, a great following around them, and uh, you know that's that's led to a lot of uh, a lot of great stories. I had a lot of fun putting it together, and of course, anytime you know you guys know seventies, eighties, nineties. There's uh, you know a different breed of player then who was more in the public eye. Uh, you know, didn't mind going out uh, for a beer, for drinks, for <laughs> you know restaurant, more active in the community. Let's say they're less robotic than uh, right. today's twenty first millennial. So twenty first century millennial. So uh, that was. Uh, uh, that was fodder for a lot of good stories. Well, congrats on the book, and uh, Lance, appreciate you coming on. At least it's getting uh, more exciting for you now. you get got uh, several trips to the playoffs here lately, and I think another one coming, but we'll see. Sure. Yes, for sure, for sure. Thank you, Lance. Thanks a lot, Lance. Okay, thanks for having, us, having me on, guys. Appreciate it. All right, bye. Well, there you go. So there's a guy that dates back to Red Kelly in the, uh, the, the four cups in six years of the 60s. And what, you're right about that. They missed the playoffs 10 of 11 years from 04. Oh, man, through, and, uh, and, like, some terrible teams, too. I yeah. mean, yeah, he had some you know some decent years in the 2000s, and, you know, the, obviously now, and like you mentioned, 2013. I always think about that. Like, everyone talks about Brian Burke was a failure and Phil Kessel wasn't a failure, but they were a period away from beating the Bruins in the first round, and who knows how deep they would have gone. It's uh, what, a crush, what a crushing comeback! Even Jeremy remains. Jacobs yeah. thought the Leafs were going to win that game. He left. <laughs> oh, did he really? <laughs> oh yeah, you didn't know that. No, I didn't know. Oh yeah, he had, he had it out of out, out of dodge. Oh, but uh, the thing that strikes me is, and, and we've brought it up before, is the goaltending situation. How does this team not have a, a, a safety net, a veteran in the AHL ready to come up and replace Hutchinson if they need it? To take no matter what, you have to take some pressure off of Anderson. You know, it might run Anderson into the ground. You can make the case that maybe they're better off, regardless of Hutchinson or whoever, that they hold to a schedule for Freddie Anderson to say, "This is how many games we think he needs to be effective and rested for the playoffs." And if we lose the other games, you know, you you do the math and figure out: Do we still make the playoffs regardless if we're a third place team or a wild card team? Yeah, a fresher Anderson with that roster healthy, you know, this loaded roster and the defense, which is slightly better, at least, than last year, obviously, with Whoa, you Tyson Barry. I mean, I like Tyson Barry. I think he's, he's, he's phone, moving the puck. Me. I think he's better than Gardner, you know. I mean, we'll see in the playoffs how he's tested. But you, can you really go into the playoffs again with Freddie Anderson 60 games in the, in the no, regular season? It it's reminds crazy. me of like 10 years ago in the NFL, there was uh, there were workhorse running backs who were getting 300-plus yeah. carries, and now with the line of demarcation, they were breaking down. And, and, the, and in the exactly. NHL, now it's become, what, 65 starts or right. 60? Or? Not even, right, not even 60. I mean, you're trying yeah. to get into those 50s, and we saw it with Holtby. We've seen it with, with everyone, and we've seen the teams that won with the non-marquee goalies. I mean, not that you want to go that route necessarily, but at least those guys were fresh, and they, they got hot, and, you know, I think yeah. we're, we're figuring and, that this, this is where Halak becomes so valuable. And if I'm a Leafs fan, I dispute better roster on paper, as he said there. I think that's going to be a controversial statement that Lance makes. But if I'm a Leafs fan, the one thing I could say is, you know what? We ran into Tuka Rask, who was just hot last year. He he got on a, he got a run, and it was kind of fluky. Yeah. Or, you know, however <laughs> you want to write it off. You right. Know, um, but that's you know. That's set up in part by the Bruins keeping him fresh. There's a reason he was, right. he was exactly. I mean, you, you don't want to say that it's the only reason. You don't, and you definitely don't want to expect him. This is what's going to happen. I mean, you see this already. Oh my God! Now you're making me think of this. Tuka's not going to have a one point whatever goals against and a nine fifty whatever save percentage in these playoffs. Uh, you, you hope maybe they get a round or two deep, but and then when he has you know a nine ten save percentage and they lose in six games to the Lightning in the second round, they lose to to the Capitals or somebody in the in the conference finals. Tuka 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 Rask choked again. They're going to say right, oh god. 
By the way, <laughs> that's unbelievable. quick Tuca story. Yeah. They lose Thursday to Stamkos, you know, in the shootout. Yeah. Half an hour later, good source tells me Tuca with his driver show up at Buff's Pub in Newton. Of He's course. He's having a plate of wings at a brew. That's his 30, place. 30 minutes after the game. That's that's his place. So the Stamkos goal goes in, and he showered up, and he is out of there. <laughs> headed to Buff's. Well, a guy's got to eat. Right. Are yeah, you trying to say he shouldn't eat? <laughs> no, no. Just I, I think that's he's got it all in perspective. You know Are we I mean? trying to get another sponsor here, Buff's Pub? Buff's I don't know, Pub. Buff's Pub or whatever. I've never been there. Great wings. Unbelievable wings. Um, but uh, where were we? Oh, so back to the Bruins goaltending yeah. situation. There was some buzz uh, last week. I don't know. If some, it seemed to be a spread of should they sign Yara Halak to an extension. Yeah, we talked about we that talked here. About and on our yeah, show of course. I mean, if, if he's willing to keep up at this at this amount of money and be here, well, you know, one more year for sure. You do that. I mean, clearly he doesn't want to go beyond one year because he doesn't want to end up being the one, you know, exposed. Yeah. He doesn't want to be on the contract for it when it comes to expansion time. So. Uh, there's no doubt. You just extend this. You extend this contract at the term, you know, at the at the amount that is. And if he's willing to do that, you got to do that because he's going to keep it up. I mean, he's you're not you're not going to um he's not going to drop off the wagon here. And what do you what do you have right now? I mean, now in the minors, um, Vladar got hurt, so you you're bumping Kaiser, first year pro, into the AHL now to back up legacy. Yeah, it's thin right now. So you know you can't count on any of these guys, and you can't count on someone else coming in at that price. And playing as well as Halak has. So. I just saw Wiggy Wasp walk past. I want to give this uh, just uh, two minutes of your time now. Oh, God. The Chara talk. Okay, Wiggy hates Chara. And thinks He's leading the team player. in ice time. <laughs> I know. And in the Leafs games, we were looking this up before we came on. Right. He played 15 minutes against Austin Matthews head-to-head Saturday, 13 minutes on Tuesday night. And yeah. pretty much shut that. I mean, yeah. I didn't notice Austin Matthews much. Tuesday, a little bit on Saturday. Right. Obviously, and of course, he and Mar- uh, Marner hook up for the game when they're in three-on-three play. But be that as it may, after the Thursday loss to Tampa, I'm starting to think, oh, boy. I mean, Chara here now, he gives up the one with McAvoy end of the first period, fine. But, um, you know, the Shattenkirk goal, and there were some moments. That, there are some moments. Right. I'm not going full wiggy here, but I there mean, are a couple I mean, moments where Chara looks at old. At the risk of, like, bringing out old answers and old adages. I mean, when you're on the ice that long, there's going to be breakdowns, there's going to be mistakes. But, I mean, again, the defensive defenseman, the shutdown defenseman that he is, what's it, 80% of the time he's doing the right thing, 85%. So um, you're playing against the best players. McAvoy hasn't been himself either. He hasn't been great. I mean, he's had some moments too, but he's not not anywhere near where he needs to be. Yeah. you know, maybe let's face it. If they put if they put Char and Carlo, which I thought they might have done last night with Marner Matthews together, I thought you might have gone Char Carlo a little bit. It probably makes it a lot easier, and they look a lot better. But you know, Bruce is trying to. It's almost like you hate to say this, but it feels like a training camp season. It's like let's get these guys. You know, and they're six one and two. That's what so I mean. It's the best of both worlds, right? So it's like as long as they're winning and they can project that they're going to be in the postseason. They're like they're just trying things out. This is why you can stick with Burt Ritchie as long as you can. You can stick with these guys and, and see what you get out of them and not risk losing a Burt Ritchie on waivers who might come in handy in the playoffs. He might be your Pat Maroon for all you know. I mean, so Oh my god. <laughs> the problem yeah, is the Bruins. We've have, gone from Jimmy Hayes to Pat Maroon. <laughs> they have at least two or three Pat Maroon problems. That's the that's the problem here. But back but, to McAvoy, nine yeah. games, two assists. Yeah. I mean, I mean he's been quiet. We know he doesn't shoot enough. Um but I'm I'm all worried. It's it's so hard to quantify his defensive play being sloppy, other than to say, I know sloppy when I see it, and yeah. he's been sloppy. Yeah. So you can't really write a story about that, but I can say it here. It's like, and, and even Carlo has had some tough moments, but he's gotten better the last few games. But yeah, Charlie has to get his, his act together a little bit. I mean, I guess maybe the best 
the epitome of that is that uh, the goal against Tampa where he was doing the Macarena when the guy when they turned the puck over and, the, and they came down on yeah. the odd which, man rush, which was part Richie's fault because DeBrusque drops it in the offensive zone. Richie's looking around for uh, yeah, somebody. Yeah, that was more DeBrusque because Richie was standing still, so you can't expect uh, Brett Richie yes. to get his feet moving and get to that puck. You got to take the. <coughs> you puck. said it. You can't expect Richie to get his feet moving. That's, <laughs> well, yeah, that is. Uh, but you got to get the puck to the net, and you got to know who you're playing with, just like you have to know who you're playing against. So. That was a team um, breakdown. There. That was, that was, absolutely. Was. And that's that goes back to the team IQ, too. You know, you're talking yeah, with Tori Krug. Right. He's talking about all this stuff. And they got better in the last night, I would say, for sure. And Saturday there were some patches of that, but it, they definitely lessened them. Well, uh, Lance is right. The Sabres are 8-1-1. One, and one. They keep winning, so they are atop the division. The Bruins have three days off here, and then they play uh, St. Louis. Yep. Back-to-back Rangers. We get the first Capo-Caco uh, <laughs> uh, look. And uh, San Jose next Tuesday, so we'll have three games to talk about for the next pod. Jumbo Joe, maybe his last trip to Boston? Yeah, true. Very true. Nah, he's immortal. He will never go. Uh, anything coming up with uh, WEI.com and the Kalman uh, report? Oh, of course, but I think uh, maybe today we'll put up the uh, intriguing Par Lindholm feature. We're going to let you all know about the background of Par Lindholm. I've been uh, working on this for months. I'm not going to mock it. I mean, he and, uh, he and Richie... Uh, they won the game. <laughs> won the game. Don Sweeney's a genius. GM of the there, year. <laughs> there is no criticizing Don Sweeney. See you next week.